Listening and learning this morning with Rabbi Kolaresis as we prepared for this tomorrow morning's Torah reading. And something stood out for us that I thought I wanted to share with all of you. The Torah tells us that after the splitting of the Red Sea or the Reed Sea, the Israelites had broken out into song and Miriam, the prophetess, as she is named, begins to dance and to sing and she brings the women with her to sing. And that moment, of course, is the moment of reintroduction to Miriam. We actually haven't seen her and we haven't known her name from the beginning of the story of Exodus. And in the beginning of the story of Exodus, we've been introduced to her, but we don't know her name, but she's called the sister of, of Moses. And her role, of course, is to protect Moses, as I alluded to earlier. Miriam is the one that makes sure that Moses, the baby Moses, becomes who he's meant to become. He makes sure that he's safe. And immediately after we're reintroduced to Miriam and her name given as Miriam, the Torah will tell us that the Israelites will arrive at a place and they'll begin to complain about water. And the Torah tells us, Vayavom Morata, they came to a place called Marata, or Mara. And they couldn't drink waters from Mara because they were Marim, they were bitter waters. Alkain Karashma Mara. And therefore they called Shma, her name, Mara. When I looked at the sentence this morning for the first time in my life, having read this sentence many, many times, immediately what jumped out to me is the weirdness of the phrase, and therefore they called her name Mara. Alkain Kara Shma. Shma means her name. When the Torah wants to tell us the name of a place, it'll usually preface it by saying, and the name of the place was. But here, the ambiguity of the phrase, her name, allows one to imagine who is the one who is bitter? Is it the place or the woman who immediately had begun this paragraph whose name, Miriam, is the same letters as the word Marim, which means bitter? In fact, an early source says that Miriam's name, Miriam, is not from Yam, meaning ocean, but Marim, from Marur, bitter. Miriam had a bitterness, says the Midrash, says the rabbinic folktale. And what could possibly have made Miriam bitter? Well, we could think of a couple things. It could be that Miriam was bitter because just in a couple of verses before, the Israelites had broken out in song. In fact, she herself had broken out in song and nobody stopped to say, wow, what a beautiful song, Miriam. How many rabbis, cantors have talked about this? How many people get up and, and open themselves and expose themselves in the most profound way in terms of self-expression and it lands into an empty, barren wasteland? Maybe she was bitter because she had no feedback. Or more plausibly, maybe she was bitter because she had just witnessed a remarkable miracle, a kind of miracle that is iconic. I mean, one of the most remarkable miracles of all time. And here the people are already complaining about water. Must imagine her thinking to yourself, are you kidding me? 
We just witnessed the most remarkable miracle having to do with water. And here you are again, complaining bitterly about water. Maybe, maybe even more de deeply into the character of Miriam, maybe Miriam, whose name had not been known to us for chapter upon chapter upon chapter, maybe she herself had felt the bitterness of having taken her beloved little brother and seeing his greatness and the prophecy that she herself had given her family according to the folktale of our tradition, Miriam's prophet status was inferred upon her because she was, it was conferred upon her because she had prophesied about Moses. She had said, my little brother is going to save the Jewish people. So she took care of Moses, but she was left behind. And while Moses was safely ensconced in the privileged palace of Pharaoh and Pharaoh's right family, Miriam was dealing with the real life suffering, the grassroots organizing. Miriam watched the slow and steady incarceration, exacerbation of the prison complex as her people were enslaved and their hope driven out from them and she herself more than her safely guarded brother had absorbed the bitterness of her people, the bitterness of story after story, of home after home, of family after family, of intergenerational trauma. Miriam was on the front lines and here she is, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, Miriam is free at last and all the people and they've been taken out of Egypt and not so much of Egypt has been taken out of them. And there they are, cratching about water. You want water, Miriam seems to be saying. Man, don't you know that I'm going to be the one that brings you water? I'm going to be the source. The merit of my life will be to bring you vivifying, refreshing waters. But now you're in this blame place. I'll tell you about blame, Miriam wants to say. I'll tell you a thing or two about what it is to be disappointed, to be cynical, to be bitter. I know bitterness, she says, maybe. And then the most remarkable thing in the story in the Torah is that as soon as we're told that there are bitter waters that are impossible to drink, and we imagine maybe it's Miriam, who knows? The Torah tells us that Someone cries out to God, and God says, take this eights, this tree, and throw it into the water, and let the waters become sweet. And Moses throws an eights, a stick or a tree, into the waters, and the waters become miraculously, medicinally available. He sweetens them. The commentators want to know what exactly are the properties of this supernatural tree. Some say it's not supernatural. It was a natural phenomena. There are trees that can sweeten water and make them drinkable. Some say, no, this is a miraculous thing. You see, God is not like human beings. Human beings, when they want to sweeten something, add a sweetener. God says, I'll take bitter and I'll put it together with bitter in a homeopathic way and I will bring about sweetness. But maybe, maybe, maybe on this weekend of celebrating trees and maybe maybe in understanding how bitterness works in our lives and cynicism grows we might think about this quote from ruth wilson who wrote a book called people and trees in an intimate connection unless humans unless moved by humans trees remain rooted in one place throughout their lifetime
preserving their native character. They stand tall, solid, and strong, rooted in the earth. They become an integral part of the place where they live. A contributing member of the biotic family and biotic community, perhaps there is no better example for us as humans to emulate. Listening to trees, we can learn not only about a particular geographic place, but also about our place in the larger community of life. To a bitter people, God says, give them the lesson of the tree, throw the tree into the waters and let them sweeten. As if to say that God said to Miriam and to all of us, when you see people who have fallen on cynicism and, and bitterness, have chosen that potion, first understand that they might be completely disconnected from their original place. They feel dislocated, they don't know where they are, they feel as if they've been uprooted they don't have the ground beneath them that allows them to feel that they have a different choice to make. They've been so uprooted out of their capacity to be solid and stand tall like this tree. Give them the tree celebration, Moses and Miriam. Give them that. Help them learn the lesson that maybe you, Miriam, knew when you chose the path not of bitterness, but the path of song and of dance. When you chose to focus not on the long path it took you to get there, but having arrived there, you could look back and say, it took me a long time, but here I am. And maybe she needed to teach the people after she first empathized with them and said, I get it. Like this tree, you're uprooted, but make a different choice. Maybe like this tree, you feel dislocated. You don't know where you are. Maybe, maybe, maybe. You're bitter because this morning or this afternoon, everybody is pointing a finger at you or you're pointing a finger at everybody. Maybe, maybe this morning you failed again or maybe, maybe this morning or this week or this month, nothing has gone your way or we can't see our hands in front of our faces. Maybe you woke up and you don't have enough energy. You don't know where to source yourself. You don't know how to root yourself. You don't know where to draw the sap from. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Empathize and then lift them up. The great Dr. King wrote this about his own life. He wrote, as my sufferings mounted, I soon realized that there were two ways in which I could respond to any situation, either to react with bitterness, marim, or seek to transform the suffering into a creative force. I, said Dr. King, decided to follow the latter course. He picked up the timbrel, the drum, and he called others to it. He said, I know, like this uprooted tree, the only way to sweeten your bitterness is to remind you that I know that you're uprooted. But let's make another choice. Let's take ourselves to the place of the possible. Tomorrow morning, we hope you'll join us because we'll be exploring these verses more deeply and hearing your Torah on what might have been the possibility of Miriam's bitterness and how it was that she became the remarkable source of water in a thirsty, parched group that yearned for an end to COVID, an end to enmity, an end to injustice, an end to fractiousness, an end to incivility, an end to voter suppression, an end to all of the things that have to come to an end. But we have our eye, right? 
We have our eye on the journey. We can choose to drink from the sweet waters of goodness and kindness and giving one another the benefit of the doubt. We can make that choice. You can make that choice in your home and in your heart. Instead of pointing a finger at your husband or your wife, I'm just speaking hypothetically, of course. Instead of pointing fingers and coming from places of bitterness that close people down, come from a place of openness and listening and curiosity and creativity. That's what Dr. King inspired. That's what Dr. King's legacy is. The long march to freedom requires endurance, and we are still in it, aren't we? But let's lift each other. Let's give each other hope. Let's show up for one another. That's a celebration of the trees that I think all of us long to be a part of. Please rise if you're able.